everyone, it's Todd Duncan. I wanted to make sure you were aware of a very special announcement. On July 22nd, we are bringing to the mortgage and real estate community a brand new global live stream entitled Irrefutable, the five principles of a high-performing mortgage and real estate practice. If you're a lender, we want you to invite your agents. If you're an agent, we want you to invite your lender. We're gonna spend four hours together and I am going to present for the first time ever these five principles. These principles are designed to level your business up, both from a sales standpoint, a marketing standpoint, an efficiency standpoint, and a cash flow standpoint. Most importantly, I'm gonna show you the secret weapon to guarantee a recession-proof business for the rest of your life. Come join us on July 22nd for Irrefutable, nine o'clock to one o'clock Pacific Standard Time. And thanks for watching and listening to the podcast. Welcome back to the Todd Duncan Podcast. A member of the industry syndicate. This is where success happens. Todd's goal is to transform your business and life through deeper connections, higher trust, and proven strategies to help you win and give you your best life ever. Here's your host, Todd Duncan. All right, you ready to go? All right, here we go. Uh, so we came up with this theme, Fit Fast Forward, and uh, it, it makes uh, a ton of sense from my vantage point on what everybody in this room ultimately wants, right? We want to be totally fit. We want to be fit in business. We want to be fit in life. We want to be fit spiritually. We want to be fit physically, financially. We want to be fit. And one of the greatest things about this, this idea of, of fit and fast and forward is we can go a lot faster when we're more fit and we can go a lot further when we do it more quickly. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to unpack for you in about just an hour or so, I want to unpack these three ideas, and I want to give you three teaching points for each of the ideas. So you're going to need to write down a minimum of nine teaching points. I'm going to make it crystal clear for you, because you could be anywhere right now. You could be anywhere these four days. You have chosen to, to be here, and I want to unpack this for you in a way that you have the template, kind of the OS, for the balance of the week as, uh, as, as we kind of jump into this. One of the most important things about Fit, Fast, and Forward is it is a choice. It's a choice across your lifeline. It's a choice between you and what you want to do with the gift that you have been given uh, called life, right? And uh, it's interesting because I think one of the things that we end up dealing with is this idea of, of what is actually in front of us. Uh, Deb and I have a, uh, a life coach that is, is super, super cool. She is a constant practitioner of mindfulness and thinking and, and healthy approaches to business and life. And we were uh, visiting her just about a week or so ago, and she, she said something that was very interesting. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. She said that what's in front of you is exactly what should be. How you handle it defines who you become. And one of the greatest things about this idea is that everybody in this room, including me, has a bunch of stuff in front of us, right? And we have a lot of stuff in front of us because of things we did not do or did do through yesterday. And we have a lot of things in front of us because of where we would like to be tomorrow and beyond, right? And so the idea of, of how we handle things actually defines who we become is the idea on the first step to being fit. Because we have these days, right? We have these gifts. We have this entire lifespan that we don't know uh, when it will end. And, and we have to be purposeful. We have to be intentional. And we have to understand that there's a relationship between everything we do and every day we do that thing in. 
So we had a chance in June to speak to about 4,000 real estate agents in Australia, and we were a part of the REC conference, which was up in the Gold Coast and in, in, uh, just south of Brisbane. And, um, and after we were done, we came back to Sydney and hang, hung for a couple of days. And one of the things we did is we went to the uh, Australian Museum of Art in downtown Sydney, and uh, Deb and I were walking through a couple of the exhibits, and we, we came across this exhibit, and I was really mesmerized with the wall and what was on that wall. And I told Deb, I said, take a picture of this. So this is actually what was in the Museum of Art. And you look at the words tomorrow, yesterday, today, tomorrow, yesterday, today, tomorrow, yesterday, today, tomorrow, yesterday, and today, and it was like, wow, that's life, right? That is life, and we have to look at our yesterdays, we have to look at our todays, and we have to look at our tomorrows, and we actually have to be really super intentional about what we do with those days, right? So on the way back from Australia, I was watching a movie called Breakthrough. Has anybody in the room seen the movie Breakthrough? It was about a, a kid that fell through the ice and died and then got brought back to life, and it was like a miracle. So at the end of the movie, they were in church, and, uh, and he was on stage talking about his experience of actually dying and 15 minutes later being brought back to life. And one of the, the, the poignant elements in, the, in the, the actual video was this actual quote. Yesterday is not ours to recover, but today is ours to win or to lose. And what I'd like you to be thinking about as we go through the next four days together is... What does that look like to you? What does today look like to you? What does tomorrow look like to you? How does fit and fast and forward sync up in that? And what can you do to take your ideas and to take your disciplines or to increase the level of your disciplines? What can you do to be more fit today so you'll be more fit tomorrow? What can you do today to go faster or maybe to go slower so you can go faster? What can you do today to set up a better tomorrow? There is this sequencing of today and tomorrow that matter more than anything on the planet, including letting go of yesterday. So the idea of, of ideas, right, the idea of inspiration, the idea for you guys to be here and, 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 and really take advantage of our time here and what's going to happen as we unpack these for you over the next four days is going to be what do you do with the ideas that you get? And so I'm going to show you a video to set the stage just to kind of get you fired up about what I think is a great metaphor for what we do over the next four days. Let's roll this video. Ideas are rocket fuel. High-octane optimism. Ideas never rest. They tap us on the shoulder at 3 a.m. and say we need to talk. Ideas are science, research, and development. But they defy logic. Just when you think you're finished, ideas think nothing of tearing it all up and starting over. Ideas are measured not in milliseconds or horsepower, but by their power to redefine what we ever thought possible. Ideas change everything. Behind every beautiful car is a beautiful idea. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. So behind every great idea is a beautiful card. Behind every great idea is a beautiful life. 
And I want you to make that, that correlation because I want to unleash your thinking over the next four days. I want the guys and gals that are going to be on stage to inspire new thought in you. I want you to be able to look at what does your extraordinary life look like? What does everything good that you'd like to manifest in your life actually look like? And how does that relate to being a world-class practitioner of mortgages, right? And what do we do to really, really understand the fit and the fast and the forward as it relates to that? Okay, and so as you go through the week, and as you go through these 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 kind of journals and, and these ideas and kind of trapping things down, I want to give you permission to go for it. I want you. I want to give you permission to be an idea machine. I want to give you permission to think at levels you've never thought of before. Thomas Dreyer said that the life we live is the life within the limits of our own thinking. And I will consider it a victory if by Thursday we have unleashed your idea machine, your creativity, so that with fit and with fast and with forward, you can do whatever you want in this life. Say yes if you like that idea. All right, click your band to make sure you're still alive. Let's go ahead and click this. And by the way, these glow in the dark in case you're uh, interested in, in later on activities tonight, all right? So let's start, let's start with, uh, with this idea of getting fit. Okay, so I'd like you to, to write this down. This is not one of the nine teaching points, but it's worthy of writing down, okay? Hard markets are hard. Easy markets are hard. Okay, it doesn't matter. Hard markets are hard. It's hard to get business. It's hard to keep business. Okay, easy markets are hard. It's easy to get business. It's hard to keep the business. It's hard to process the business. It's hard to get the business done. And especially when you layer, I want to do it to the best of our ability to blow the customer's mind. Hard markets are hard. Easy markets are hard. Your success will be determined not by the market you're in, but by how fit you are in that market. And I'm talking across the board, 360 degree fitness. I'm talking spiritual fitness. I'm talking physical fitness. I'm talking emotional. I'm talking ethical. I'm talking physical. I'm talking financial. All of those things come to play, and they will take whatever market you're in and move it from hard to easy. To give you a little bit of a glimpse of what that means, this is the last 230 years of the Fed funds rate, as best as we could track it, all the way back to 1790. So I'm not going to get into the depths of this. I'll be able to give you a copy of this. You can go ahead and get it from Global Financial Data. But we have the first bank of the United States in 1791, and it looks like the lending rate then from the banks was 4.7%. We got the panic of 1796, U.S. real estate collapses, ensuing depression. We have the Great Railroad Strike of 1877. We have all this history. We've got all these things. We have the panic of 1907, failed attempt to corner the market on the stock of a large company, generated bank losses, crisis and confidence in banks and bank runs. And you kind of look at this and you go, all right, it was kind of cool there for a while, right? And then all of a sudden in the, the late 70s and the early 80s, what happens to the cost of funds, what happens to Fed funds rate, what happens to Prime, what happens to everything, it goes sky high. Up at the top, Fed Chairman Volcker increased the Fed funds rate to a peak of 20% in 1981 to get double-digit inflation under control. 230 years of rates. Okay, and I don't know what this speaks to you about, except I'll make sure you understand as we continue. This is when I did just shy of 6,000 loans. 
So I was actually in the business as a loan originator in 1980. I remember when Prime went to 20. I remember when closing Govies at 17, 18%. I remember blended interest rates on first and seconds, 18.2%. I remember all that, right? Volcker hired, you know, takes it all the way up, restrain. I mean, all of that is like in the most brutal market out of the last 230 years. So what is one of the points I'm making? It doesn't matter if you're in the mortgage business and you're doing business during this point in time, you have to be what? You got to be fit. You got to be fit. You got to be good, right? It doesn't matter what market you're in. It matters how you're in the market. Now, where are we today? We are down here on this red line, okay? And so you'll notice that this was uh, the Fed funds rate in, in Feb 2.7. Right now, it's, I think, between one, one, one and three quarters and two. But you look at one and a half, 1.6, 2.3, and then in 1945, 1 1.7. So in 230 years, there was four markets that are below that red line. And you're in one of them right now. So what does that tell you about, like, the future? What does that tell you? This is not going to last. Okay, it's great. We're, we got a tailwind behind us. There's, there's some abundance happening right now. That's a good thing because there was an abundance in January or February or March, right? You remember that? And so what ends up happening is when you look at this red line and you go, man, we are, in the, we are actually in the lowest market, I think, in the history of, of interest rates. So it doesn't take skill. It just takes what? I mean, it does, but it takes stamina. And we don't want to rely on that in our future. What we want to do is realize it doesn't matter what the market is. We just got to be what? Better than everybody. You made a choice to be here. You got to be more fit than anybody that's out there. So here's the first teaching point under fit. Write this down. Discomfort is the admission price to an extraordinary life. An extraordinary life does not happen easily. It does not happen because you wish it. It doesn't happen because you want it. An extraordinary life happens because you've decided today you're done with what's not happening that you want to have happen. As soon as pain gets to 51%, you will start to change, no matter what market you're in. Something has to give and take. Something's happening today that is good or that is bad. Something's happening with your pipeline that's putting stress in other areas of your life. And it may not have been the same a while ago. You may have been a little bit nervous in, in March or February, right? And if you're super fit, again, it doesn't matter what market you're in. It just matters how you're in the market. So what we need to understand is the most, most worthwhile part of getting great, of getting fit, is seldom the easiest. I think everything that I've done in my life that is worthwhile was the hardest. And I think the things in my life that were good wasn't necessarily the hardest. And I think the shortcuts I tried to take made it even harder. And so when I give this to you, I give it to you because I want you to be thinking about this idea of what fitness looks like. We've got our dear friend Jonathan Roach in the front row, CEO of Breakthrough Health and Wellness. Tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock, we're doing it right. Every morning for the next three mornings, we're doing it. And I was thinking about Jonathan the other day because I, I came across this quote, this quote by Hall of Fame uh, football coach Hank Stram. If you remember Hank Stram, he was most popular for, I guess, the Dallas Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs. Here's what he said about this idea of fit and fat and forward and fast. And can we put this slide up? Oh, I hit the wrong one. There you go. You can't be fat and fast. Now, this is a football coach talking to his players. Okay, you can't be fat and fast too. So lift and run and diet 
and work. So lift and run and diet and work. True or false, you can go further, faster if you're more fit. Absolutely true. So tonight we have to look at this. We have to look at this entire kind of kaleidoscope of how do I bring all this in to perspective? How do I bring this idea of F3, Fit Fast Forward, which is our logo, and how do I look at my professional life? How do I look at my time? How do I look down here at rec- recreation and, and physical and, and fitness? And over here, how do I look at financial? And, and how do I look at my emotional fitness and health? And how do, I, how do I re-look at my spiritual fitness? I mean, how do I really begin to look tonight and then leading into the rest of our time together, what does it really look like to have all those areas working more in harmony with each other? That's a very, very important concept to to ask. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is go to page 44 in your workbook, and I'm going to play some music for about four minutes, and I want you to complete the Life Mastery Top 20 assessment. I want you to give yourself a real, honest assessment of right now, tonight, here, where you are. Everybody ready to go? I think it's page 44, right, Ryan? Good. Okay, music, Sam. Anybody need more time? All right, Sam. So thanks for doing that. Hand up if there are some areas that you may want to take a look at as you're here at Mastery and thinking about your life. Put it up nice and high. I mean, if you got some, so I think that's all of us, right? It's all of us. We have things that are constantly requiring us to be more vigilant and more intentional about being fit. And I think the second teaching point is pretty revealing as we put it up here. I think as you look at your scale of one to five, as you look at the areas that you think um, you could probably take it up a notch, one of the mindsets of being fit is this mindset. You must be perpetually dissatisfied with your level of competence and comfort. In, In order to be really fit, you have to be perpetually dissatisfied. That is not negative. But to be perpetually dissatisfied with where you're at, where you're comfortable, where you're competent, okay, is the key to getting better. It's kind of an interesting play on on thought, right? Because that doesn't sound like an optimistic outlook. Well, it actually is the best outlook you can have, that until we get uncomfortable and until we are perpetually dissatisfied, it doesn't mean we're not happy. It just means we know there is more in us to cover. There's more in us to do. There's more greatness within us to discover. And, and, and as soon as you understand where it is that you are dissatisfied, and all of us have different areas at different times for different reasons and different points, that we find ourselves dissatisfied. It doesn't, again, mean unhappy. It is a positive link in your head that you could be better. And then the idea here is that as soon as you know the area that you need to get better, this idea of earners are learners who implement, earners are earners, earners are learners who implement, earners are learners who implement, that's the key to everything. The key is you're here for four days, not because you're on top of the world. You're here, maybe you're on top of the world, but you got on top of the world because of learning, right? And, and, and then implementing. And the question you have to ask yourself is, How good is that discipline for you, no matter what area of your life you just determined needed a little bit of help? I think I started studying when I was three. You may say, well, how do you know that? How do you actually know you started studying when you were three? 
And the reason I know is because my grandmother took a picture. So this is me learning when I was three. So I'm in the bathroom, and, and, I, and I'm reading the newspaper, and my grandmother took a picture of me, and you can see the head. You know it's me, right? See, check it out right here. And that was a wild, wild, wild experience. And I came across that picture recently, and I, I think that I have really committed my life to learning so that I can continue to be a steward of the gift that we've been given as a company, and that is to guide this industry and to guide you and to, 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 to just wake up each and every day realizing that there is a better relationship for all of us between where we are and where we know we can go and how we get there. And now what's going to happen is your mind is going to be blown when you start to realize how fit fit really means. And so Deb will tell you this. I spent about 50 hours over the last four weeks just studying one 40-page report. And it was pretty, pretty revealing, which is teaching point number three. And teaching point number three is that healthy people are more likely to be wealthy people. This is a breakthrough. This is, this is, this is the kind of the relationship between health and wealth. And the idea that, that if we look at the empirical data, if we look at across the globe, as we look at research from the Virginia Commonwealth University for the Society of Urban Affairs and, and urban.org, and we start to look at the relationship between those people that earn a lot in health and those people who don't earn a lot in health, it is fairly mind-blowing. So before I show you this, I like this quote by John F. Kennedy. He said, physical fitness is not only one of the more important keys to a healthy body, it is the basis of dynamic and creative intellectual activity. Huge. What does that mean in just everyday speak? The healthier you are physically, the more dynamic and creative you are as an intellect and an individual. So true or false, is there a difference between being wealthy and being healthy? Do you think the two go hand in hand? You're here. Why are you here? You're here to optimize your cash flow by making a difference and becoming the best version of you possible. So the healthier you are, the more money you actually make. So here's some of the stats. <clears throat> the greater one's income, the lower one's likelihood of disease and premature death. So that's interesting. Yes? Studies show that Americans at all income levels are less healthy than those with incomes higher than their own. It's pretty startling, actually. Not only is income, the earnings and other money acquired each year associated with better health, but wealth which is net worth and assets, affects health as well. So this, this is how the people report in. So those that, that, that did this self-report suggested that at less than $35,000 a year, okay, 22.8% of them report health challenges. And we go all the way over to the right, for the people that make $100,000 or more, they only have a 5.6% reporting of health challenges. It's pretty staggering. 
And then when you think about in this business, if you follow high trust and you do it the right way, you can make $100,000 a month. What would that do for your health? If you did it well, right? It would be awesome. What is more important to me that you see tonight, and there's a whole report on this, I can't give you everything. This is feelings of worthlessness, hopelessness, and sadness. All or most of the time by income. So the lowest income population has a 533% higher reporting of likely to be sad than the far right, which is the $100,000 or more. Hopelessness, 920% higher when you don't make a lot of money to when you make a lot of money. And then you look at worthlessness, which is part of fit. You got to be, you got to feel worthly. You got to feel that you're purposeful. You got to feel that you make a difference. 633% less likely if you're, if you're making money to ever have moments of worthlessness. So would you say success is an emotional game first? Would you? It totally is. And so when you think about getting fit, Everything is about you unleashing whatever it is you are thinking about to make the opposite of the left side of this graph happen intentionally, purposefully, and in a way that gives you page 44 where you're a little bit more balanced and a little bit more in sync. And that's the job that we have. We can't go fast if we're not fit because we will be unhealthy in our attempt to go fast. And so if we get fit around the whole idea here of life and F3 and in all of this, then every idea you have can come to life. And I want to encourage you to go for it. I want to encourage you to go for the healthiest version of you possible. Check this uh, Essentia Water ad out. It's pretty powerful. Someone is going to be the first. Someone is going to make waves. Someone's going to blow up the game. Someone's going to reinvent a classic. Someone's going to start from scratch. Someone's going to break barriers. Someone's going to do that thing you really, really want to do. It might as well be you. Isn't that a great ad for just like hopefulness and worthiness and purposefulness? And so whatever you're dreaming tonight, whatever you're thinking over the next four days, the reason you're here is to make sure that it ought to be you, right? It ought not to be anybody else. It ought to be you. And so when you're fit this way and you're thinking this way, then we can start to apply the go fast to this. So let's switch to that. What does going fast actually mean? Okay, what does going fast actually mean? So this may or may not surprise you, but this is how most people view traffic lights. True or false? Should I, shouldn't I? Shouldn't I, shouldn't I? Should I, shouldn't I, right? Sometimes we get in conflict. You can see the the hand don't walk and then the walk at the same, right? Okay, some of you have made up your own rules. I know that sounds kind of, kind of wild, but this is, this is what you look like. 
Okay, so 55 means 65, and 65 means 80, and if it says 70, then there theoretically is no speed limit. Boom, right? So it's time for a true confession, all right? How many of you have ever negotiated lane position when coming to a red light based on the number of cars in front of you and potentially the make and model of the cars in front of you? Let me see your hands nice and high. So that is, that is everybody in the room, right? Let's just try to navigate for position, right? So let's try this one out. How many of you have ever been in the grocery store and you're ready to check out and you kind of decide which line you're going into. You've reconciled the integrity issue that you do have more than 15 items, so you can't try to do express. But you're kind of jockeying for position, right? And then you pick your lane. And you pick your lane because that lane you think is going to be what? The fastest way out. How many of you have ever watched somebody get behind you with the same thinking, and then you look at the lane you would have been in had you chosen that, and you compare all the way to the end of the shopping experience? Let me see your hands. Nice and high on that. Okay, so we've all, we've all been guilty of this. It kind of reminds me of the little boy who was kind of confused, and, and every day his dad came home, he would bring a briefcase, and the little boy said to his dad, he said, Dad, how come every day when you come home, you bring your briefcase? And the father said to the little boy, he said, I can't get all my work done at the office. And the little boy looked at his dad, and he said, Dad, can't they put you in a slower group? And we have this kind of appetite for speed, and we don't reconcile the idea that most of the time speed is not good until we get it right so that it is good. So here's a thought. Steve Goodyear, who's a, a columnist and an author, he says, it's a mistake to think that moving fast is the same as actually going somewhere. And I want you to really kind of contemplate this. What, what does that actually mean? Okay, have you ever tried to, to go fast and realize that you've actually been forced to slow down? Have you, ever, have you ever gone through that? We all have, right? And so here's the first teaching point to the idea of fast. Speed matters and speed kills. Speed matters, speed kills. There's no shortcuts to going fast, period, end of story. No matter what area of your life you are trying to apply speed to. It says on your notes that most of the time, the best way to go fast is to go slow. I remember as a brand new loan originator, my manager pulled me aside and said, um, we need to stop and slow down your efforts because your applications are not thorough. They don't look good. People can't read your applications. And it's taking us too much time to try to figure it out. So in, in essence, what Bob was saying is what? Slow down so that then we can then speed up. Have you ever seen how speed kills? Have you ever been pulled over not thinking you're going to get pulled over? Have you ever gotten into an accident you weren't planning on getting into? Have you ever seen how that happens? And what I want you to realize is the speed itself is not a bad thing. But speed itself is a bad thing to the exclusion of doing it right. And I want you to be thinking about this in, in really, really deep thought. So when I was training to, to be a private pilot, okay, one of the things that, that you do is you learn the, the six-pack of instruments, right? We have all the electronics. We have all the GPSs. We have all that kind of stuff. But when you're actually learning to fly, one of the six instruments you have to absolutely master is your airspeed indicator. 
So this is a picture of an airspeed indicator, and there's all of these different velocities. They're called V-speeds or V-ratings, right? If you look at the top right, you have what's called VSO, and VSO is the stalling speed when you're in a landing configuration. So if, you're, if your gears are down and your flaps are down, okay, anything less than 35, you're going to stall. So that's not a, a good speed to be slower on, right? It's a good speed to be a little bit more fast on, right? We go around and we see, we see VS1, and VS1 is if the flaps are up and the gears are up and I'm only doing 45 knots, I'm going to stall. That's not a good speed to be at. When you look at the green arc around there, okay, the green arc is a normal operating speed. You want to be within that green arc. You don't want to go beyond this, and you don't want to be less than that, okay, because that's the maximum and the minimum operational integrity of the airplane. Those are the speeds you have to be going. When you look at the white arc on the inside, you cannot go faster than 88 knots with your flaps down, or it will cause the plane to go into inoperative flight. So it's a good thing to be going that fast, but it's a bad thing to be going that fast with your flaps down, right? You got the green arc, and then you hit the VNO, and the VNO is really interesting. VNO is like the max structural speed in normal cruising weather and configuration. So I, I, I got to be really careful of when I get into the yellow, what is the yellow arc? It's like cautionary. You got to be really careful when you get into the yellow, and then you have VNE, which says never exceed speed. So the question is, when you think about when you think about loans, and you think about realtors, and you think about borrowers, and you think about like this, and there's like seven more V speeds on this, you got to really know when to go fast and when to go slow. You got to know when to speed it up. You got to know when to slow it down. You got to ask yourself that 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 there is a recognition between just doing things fast and doing things what? Doing things right.